0: Surrendering our lives to God is the only option for true life. Today, Tori Orkland, President of TRC Ministries, will talk about what surrender is, why it is so vital to putting on the easy yoke that Jesus offers, and three ways that Jesus himself demonstrated surrendering. Because of technical difficulties during recording, this is our final episode on putting on the easy yoke. Here is Tori, teaching at Caravan Fellowship.
1: I'm going to pick up where we left off with the series Putting on the Easy yoke. Today, I want to talk about surrender. And as I mentioned before, previously, I did this with, uh, at Celebrate Recovery. And uh, so I tried to tie in different steps and recovery principles associated with the concept. And uh, I particularly like these. So I thought I'd share them anyway today. Even though we're not in a necessarily a recovery group here. So, step three says we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. And the, the uh, CR uses a verse, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then, the principle three, we made it uh, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. And the principles uh, Warren, Rick Warren, put together based on the Beatitudes. So he ties that to happier the meek. But we'll start off in Luke here, maybe with an introductory comment. Let me say first that turning our will And our lives over, like it's talking about here in Step 3 and Principle 3, turning our will and our lives over is a form of surrender. We talked a little bit last week about what was the challenge last week. Did anybody take up the challenge last week? Do you remember the prayer at all? And the idea of asking God to help you to uh, do his will rather than your own will. That's also a form of surrender. And basically the question that I would ask today, are you willing to let Jesus Christ tell you what to do? So it's a continuation from last week, but we're really going to talk particularly about the the concept of surrendering. So if you trust that that what God wants for you, as we talked about last week, if you trust that what God wants for you is better than what you want for you, then you will gladly give your will over to him. So, in this session, we'll discuss the idea of surrendering and what it means and why it is necessary. Let's start in Luke 9. You can turn there if you want, but it's up on the screen there. It says, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So to understand the connection to these verses, nine through I'm sorry, Luke 9, 23 through 25 to understand the connection of these verses with surrender, let's look closely at the idea of surrender. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines surrender as to agree to stop fighting, hiding, resisting, etc., because you know that you will not win or succeed. So that's Pretty much that's what you think of as surrender, isn't it? That's kind of pretty typical idea of surrender. So when you surrender, to whom do you surrender typically? what What are we thinking about when we think about surrendering? Well, you don't surrender to your friend, right? It was the last time you did this when you saw your friend. I give up, I surrender, you know. You surrender to your enemies, right? That's what surrender is about. It's surrendering to your enemies is to give up fighting. And I think that we need to take that idea, we need to realize that prior to surrender, the reason surrender is needed is because we have been acting as the enemy to God. Right? Now, this is Romans 5.10. When we were sinners, we were God's enemy. It, it makes us out to be enemies to God. And why is that? And it's because we are trying to run our own life, and that means we have taken the place of God who has, is the only one who has the right to rule. That's the bare minimum. That's the beginning is just recognizing that God has the right to rule. And when we take God's position, we are usurpers to the throne. We've placed ourselves on the rightful throne of God when we do that. And that's why in recovery, the first principle starts out with realizing that I am not God. That's why the historian of AA titled the book, His book, not God. And that's why the first of the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other gods before me. So until we realize that we have taken God's throne, we will never see a need to surrender. Okay? Now, we sing songs about surrender and stuff like that. The kind of the Christian ease of surrender doesn't have the idea of giving up fighting and turning yourself over to your enemy, does it? It's a different concept. We'll talk about that in a minute, but this is a concept I think we really have to grab hold of. Until we admit that we have taken God's rightful throne, we will never see a need to surrender. Until we admit that we cannot succeed In ruling over our own life, we will never see the need to surrender. So remember, it's not only to agree to stop fighting and resisting, but there's the concept of knowing that you can't succeed. And I think that we need to realize that without God, we cannot succeed in running our own life. So I want to take a look at surrender a little bit more. When we realize that God is the rightful ruler over our life, it leads to a realization that surrender is really the only reasonable response. Remember, we talked about this with faith, that faith is not working outside of reason, but aligning ourselves with the reality and operating as if it's true. And so if God is really the only one who has the right to rule over us, then the only reasonable response is to surrender our will to his rule. Okay, so if we look back at these verses in Luke, I break it down into three different views of the same idea. So the same idea, the idea is surrender, okay? If anyone wishes, we'll just review it. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. And What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself, or or some translations say his soul? So I want to look at the three different ideas here that Jesus is talking about Jesus is talking about giving up or the attempt I mean to save our own life the contrast here is fighting to save your life as opposed to giving up your life that you see that do you see that contrast there whoever seeks to save his life will lose it fighting to keep your life as opposed to giving up your life. That's the contrast that Jesus is making here. Okay, so keep that in mind. When you drop your weapons and come out with your hands up, in the case of war, you don't even know. You might get shot, right? I mean, you might get killed. You are completely at the mercy of the one to whom you are surrendering. That's the nature surrender you you literally put yourself at the mercy of the person to whom you are surrendering now the third verse explains why we should surrender it is inevitable that you will not succeed in your attempt to save your own life that's that's why you need to surrender but it's clearly your choice you can continue fighting to the end You can keep on fighting to save your own life as opposed to giving up your life. Or you can surrender to God, and it's clearly your choice. Now, in our circles, we often think of God. I mean, we're taught that God loves us, and we think of him as harmless. But really, as we talked about last week, this is why it's so scary and people struggle so much. They don't actually believe that God can be trusted when they place themselves their entire life in his mercy. When they place themselves at the mercy of God and allow him to take over the decision-making process, if you will, of their life. I have a section in here where we talk about, you might remember the parable that Jesus told about the Prince that was going to receive a uh, kingdom. And he went off to a far land. You remember that? And he handed out some of his belongings to different people who were supposed to take care of that. And in the middle of that parable, it's just an odd thing. There were people that said, We don't want him to rule over us. Do you remember that? We don't want him to rule over us. This is in Luke 19. And so once this prince this king had become a king once he had been installed as the rightful ruler and he comes back and he settles accounts with his servants there's an interesting thing he says these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them bring them here and slay them in my presence i want to really emphasize the stakes at hand here If we fight with God to the end, there is no hope of winning our life. When you surrender and you raise the white flag, there is a hope, (laughs) there is a promise of mercy and grace. But when we are an enemy to God, we need to realize that he is not harmless. And he doesn't hold us harmless. And so I think the idea of surrender is an appropriate concept because it really carries this idea of being opposed to and fighting with a ruler, somebody who has the right to rule. And surrendering can be a scary thing, But when you realize that there is no other hope, it's your only option. And I think that it's really important that we come to that place to realize that it's the only reasonable option. While we are living here on the earth, we have the option to rule the life we've been given by our creator or to allow him to rule our life. And it's an important decision that we make. Now, those of us who have concluded that we are incapable of successfully ruling our own life and that God is capable, remember we talked about that with relationships yesterday, respecting his capability, those of us who have made that conclusion have come to the conclusion that surrender is the only reasonable course of action. And that brings us to the first of the three verses which explains what surrender looks like. Jesus said... If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So, what is Jesus saying here? I think that Jesus, it's important that we recognize that Jesus demonstrated surrender to us. When he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, verse 23, what does he mean, if anyone wishes to come after me? He must take up his cross daily. He must deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. At the time that he was saying this, it didn't make a lot of sense because he had not yet taken up his cross, has he? He predicted his death several times, and this is one of those times. And he was talking in a sense of following after him in doing the same thing that he was going to demonstrate. And what did he demonstrate? Jesus demonstrated surrender to us. Now, of course, he was never the enemy of God, right? He never usurped the rightful rule of God. The throne on which he sat was his by rights. Yet he gave up that throne anyway, and he came to earth as a human being to show us what surrender looks like. He surrendered in a slightly different sense because he was never the enemy to God. And that sense is the second definition that Webster gives, which is to give oneself up into the power of another. It carries the same connotation, but it doesn't have the idea of fighting. That's usually the Christian concept of surrender, to give oneself up to the power of another. But I I feel like we don't do justice to the need to recognize the view that God has of us trying to run our own life. That's why I use the first definition. That includes to stop fighting and stop resisting. But Jesus surrendered by giving himself up into the power of another. And this is what Philippians 2 says. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That in, in some ch- uh, translations it says grasped. And, and I always took that to mean like mentally understand. And then I realized as I was studying that verse that in the Greek it was actually means to grab hold of, to hang on to. And so Jesus did not cling to hang on to his position in heaven. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a a criminal's death on the cross. This is Jesus representing, showing us what surrender looks like. Jesus is telling us in Luke 9.23 that he demonstrated surrender and that if we want to surrender, we simply needed to follow his example uh, or follow after him. And he's making a really simple statement here. And I want to demonstrate this statement or illustrate it. If you want to follow him, you have to do what he did. Right? So here's an analogy. There's a lot of things in reality that, you know, simply... You, you can't do one and the other. You can't, as the old saying says, of course the U.S. version of it, we've kind of lost its meaning, you can't have your cake and eat it too. The original statement of that was you can't eat your cake and have it. It has a little different meaning, right? After you've eaten your cake, you can't still have your cake any longer. And one of those statements is you can't be in two places at once. And so, for example, if... I were to go to Arizona, and I said to Jay, Jay, why don't you follow after me? He can't remain in Alexandria and go to Arizona. You have to do what I did. And the physical world uh, makes it such that you cannot go to Arizona and remain where you are. And it, it doesn't just stop there, though. You not only give up your position of where you are to go some other place to be with somebody, but it's a long travel. It's a long trip. And every time Jay has to stop for gas, he continues to make that decision to follow after me to come to Arizona. Because he could turn around and go back, he has to get back in the car leave his place at the gas station. When he stops to get food, he has to leave his place for, at, at the restaurant and continue on. And this is just a real simple statement that Jesus was also making, is that if you want to follow after him, you have to do what he has done or what he was about to do in this particular case. So what did Jesus do that we have to do? These are the three aspects that I want to point out of what Jesus did. The first thing he did is he denied himself. Self-denial is the opposite of God-denial. We move from saying yes to ourself and no to God to saying no to ourself and yes to God. This is what that prayer was about last week. That prayer of Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. That's self-denial. Self denial is to say no to ourselves when that conflicts with saying yes to God and just saying yes to God instead. There's an old song that I used to know, kind of a country song, that goes something along the lines that I was sitting in the front seat, you know, and it's the analogy of driving and making a mess of my life, but now I'm sitting in the back seat. And I leave the driving to the chief, which is Jesus. And there's another song that was a country song about Jesus take the wheel. Anybody remember that one? And the problem that we have with Jesus taking the wheel is after you know the car starts sliding out of control, and we go, "Oh, Jesus, take the wheel." Things get straightened out, and then we go, "Okay, I got it from here now. I'll take it from here." And that is the time when we need to say no to ourselves, and yes to God. We don't just keep trying to take that wheel back. And as I was thinking about that concept, I thought of, I think it was uh, first President Bush, his wife, who started the drug campaign. You remember the old drug campaign? Just say no to drugs? Nancy, it was Reagan, that's right, Nancy Reagan, thank you. Nancy Reagan, just say no to drugs. Well, I think we should start a new campaign would get bumper stickers and everything that says just say no to self-rule just say no to self-rule that is what denying yourself is denying yourself is saying no to yourself when you're saying yes to god in the analogy of jay following me to arizona it would be giving up his position in alexandria you can't be both here and there You have to choose one or the other you can't rule and have God rule you can't be on the throne and have God on the throne these are things that are opposed to each other and remember that's what Jesus did even though he had a rightful place on the throne he gave it up he humbled himself he submitted himself to the obedience to God even though he knew it would cost him his life that's denying yourself Okay, what about taking up your cross daily? Well, that's the next thing Jesus did. So he denied himself and he came to earth. And he submitted himself to the rule of his father. Taking up your cross daily is the equivalent in our analogy of Jay following me to Arizona, of remaining in the car while traveling and returning to the car at the pit stops and at the gas stations and when you're eating. It's entrusting our destination to God, taking the route that he wants us to take, doing the things that he wants us to do, entrusting our very life into the hands of God. So Peter reminds us that this is what Jesus did. He said, For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. This is the idea of taking up our cross daily. It's just continuing in that position every day. Now, we have to be clear that the cross is an instrument of death. There's no question here that he was using that to remind us that it's actually giving up our life. We will lose our life. Now, Paul talks about this. He says, uh, Romans 6, 3, Have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, you were joined with him in his death? We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Now, of course, that is, though, the beginning of new life, which in Colossians Paul wrote, You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Same thing that we see in in Romans. Sometimes we miss the concept in Romans, though that's in Colossians. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins. Then God made you alive with Christ Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. That's how we gain our life when we give it up. We tend to sometimes think about this metaphorically, but it's really, Paul speaks in very literal terms. When you look at like Galatians 2.20, when he said, the life that I now live is not my life. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a very real thing to Paul, not just a metaphor. This returns us to the definition of surrender, to agree to stop resisting because you know that you will not win or succeed. One aspect of surrendering to God is that it's unlikely when one surrenders to any other enemy, any other enemy, that there is a promise of good. But God is different in that. He tells us that his plans for us are good. He promises life to us. This is the difference. I mean, when you give up to other enemies, you know, you probably get put in a concentration camp or something like that. But we we have the promises of God that his Desire for us is good, and if we give up to Him, that the life that He gives us is something that is worth living, something that we actually will find fulfilling. Many times, the Bible talks about our joy being made full that a life of joy, a life of peace. These are things that are promised as a result of the, of the surrender to God. He promises to exalt us. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's the idea. The idea is that he can put his hand on you and hold you down. You could, you, he could make you say Uncle. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care on him because he cares for you. The idea there is that there is a promise with surrender, a promise of exaltation, of being exalted, a promise of care, and that he can be trusted with our life. You guys probably remember Jim Elliott's famous statement. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He understood that he could not save his own life, but he could receive a life from God that he could not lose. And we really need to have that perspective in order to continue in a position of surrender. So the final step is simply to continue to follow the example and teachings of Jesus. Jesus puts it this way. uh, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. We sing the song, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. If you follow the steps and the teachings of Jesus, you will find the life you have will be a life worth living. Not only will, as we talked about before, sanity be restored to you. I mean, who doesn't want to be sane? But I want more than just sanity. Not only will sanity be restored, but purpose will be added as well. Abundance of joy and abundance of life. The things, you know, we talked about, we say, people get a life. Better to have an abundance of life than just a life, huh? And this is the idea of following along with Jesus. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is what surrender is about. So, are you ready to surrender? Are you ready to decide that you will stop resisting the will of God to do as Paul did and trust Jesus, and allow him to direct your route, if you will, the things that you do, following the teachings of Jesus, making that commitment, even if that means you give up your own desires. And if you trust what God wants for you is better than what you want for yourself, as we talked about, trusting in his good intent towards you, you would gladly surrender place your faith your fate sorry in his hands so i would encourage you to do that we'll continue to practice that prayer when you find yourself tempted to do the things that you want to do rather than the things that god wants you to do or rather than the teachings of jesus you can pray that prayer god i know that you love me And that you want good things for me. Help me to do what you want rather than what I want. Any questions or thoughts or comments before we turn it over to Bennett?
0: The comment was made, It seems like there is a transition from God being our enemy and surrendering to God being our friend and we are submitting.
1: Yeah, my experience, and other people have had different experiences, but you're saying, you know, there's this transition from God being our enemy to God being our friend. And my experience for myself was I had to start with recognizing my position of being in opposition to God. But I didn't have enough faith to believe that what God wanted for me was good. That God had good intent toward me. I only realized he had the right to rule and I'm not God. And this is why surrender is the third step, by the way, in recovery. The first two steps is I'm not God and he is God. That's the summary of them. That he can door me to sanity. But coming to the point of recognizing that what he wants for us is good sometimes takes a little bit of a journey I mean you can hear it but can you believe it and sometimes it takes interacting with God for a while before you realize that he really is on our side so surrender can be a really really scary thing but it's still the only reasonable response
0: the question was asked How do we handle surrendering to God, not as enemies, but in unexpected things that crop up in life and catch us off guard?
1: Well, I think that's a big part of that is is training, is training yourself. And also a big part of that is the intention of, uh, of actually following the teachings of Jesus, getting to know the teachings of Jesus, and intending to do that. There's an awful lot of power in intention. If we never intend anything, it will, you know, we won't do it. But if we intend something, we don't always succeed at what we intend, but we always fail at what we don't intend.
0: Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And for more information on TRC Ministries or to contact us, go to www.regenerationcenter.org.